Till is out of that bout with Jack Hermanson. It's kind of old news now, but, you know, we haven't been recording. More on that later. Our guy, Kevin Holland. Nick, dude, he's stepping up. Kevin Holland, man. Be his fifth fight in a calendar year, man. Fifth fight of 2020. He's ready to go, man. I like this kid a lot. UFC fight night, Hermanson versus Holland. It's a main event. It's going to be December 5th. Hermanson's number four, and even though Holland's got four wins already in 2020, he's still unranked. Unranked going against number four. Well, I think he gets baptized in this fight, but hats off to him for fighting five times in a calendar year. So you think this is a smart move for Jack Hermanson? You think he wins this one pretty handily? I think he does, Uh, and it's a smart move for Kevin Holland, too, because at the end of the day, you don't know it's a fight. Yeah, it's kind of a fight. It's a win-win for him. Win-win for him, If he loses, he was supposed to lose. If he wins, oh, shit. Kevin Holland's in the building. 100% right about that. I'm Jeffrey Hoffman, and this is Nikki the G. Nicholas Sherlock welcoming you guys to the 13th episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast. We got a Baker's Dozen here, man. A Baker's Dozen. Doesn't seem that long ago that we were first saddling up. Doesn't If you guys could see the studio, long. man, we've come a long way. I think we were sharing a mic on episode one. Just lean in. <laughs> Don't touch the lips. Like the old 70s style when you're on stage. That's right. Like the Partridge family. <laughs> Hey, man, speaking of a baker's dozen, I'm not into this idea of, of masters of their profession getting a fiddle with the number game. You know what I'm saying? Like a baker's dozen. It's like, uh, I wanted 12. What the, what's, what's with this extra one? Well, they don't give you the 13th one. That's for the baker, hence baker's dozen. <laughs> Do they you, make get, you, you get the regular degular dozen. Do they make you pay <laughs> for the extra donut? That's the issue. I think so. Well, here's the thing. If you go to the mechanic and you buy, you know, four new tires, you know, you're, you're waiting in the lobby. You come out, you got three sparkling fresh ones and you got the old rinky dink one in the back left you're like hey man i i paid for four and he's like yeah yeah you got the mechanics for <laughs> it's I a slippery so, slope so the mechanics for would be the fifth tire you don't take away from the original number you add to it by one so the mechanics for would be you get a free spare <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you I, pop I, the trunk and you got a, a brand new spare tire in there so that's the fifth wheel so we missed uh, a recording from last week man and we did we were, we were a little busy uh reached out uh have our new friends over at bare knuckle boxing so you and i were down in miami watching some bare knuckle madness and i have to say time of my life i've been to hundreds of fights maybe thousands i've refed hundreds of fights and there's nothing like the excitement in the air of some good old bare knuckle boxing yeah big thanks to uh nate katie shook david Feldman, everybody at bare knuckle fighting championship for having us down Miami, Florida, got to spend uh, four days there, see weigh-ins, uh, see the fights. It was an awesome time. Uh, and today... I got to eat lunch with Big Dan Mergliata. How wow. fucking awesome is that? The best, right? <laughs> the absolute best. And speaking of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, on today's episode, uh, we're going to have Nate Shook. So Nate's uh, the matchmaker for Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, also the owner matchmaker for their Toe the Line series. Now, that's kind of like uh, the Dana White Contenders series, how that's getting local guys their shot into the UFC. Yep. That's what the Toe the Line fight series is doing for BKFC. Uh, so we've got Nate Shook coming on, um, and we're also going to be joined by Lorenzo Hunt, who had a, a huge performance. Big uh, performance. At BKFC 14 last Friday. N- nice performance. He was actually dropped twice in the first round to come back to win by knockout, but we'll get more into that later. I mean, phenomenal fight. Great fight, and... First, we're going to go ahead and recap UFC Fight Night, Dos Anjos versus Felder, because 
look, we had UFC action happening last week too. And that was an awesome main event. And uh, to wrap up the show, we're going to look ahead to the main card at UFC 255 this Saturday. Absolutely. I tried, some my, picks. I tried my hardest after getting on a plane. Well, we left the hotel at what, 7 a.m. to head to the airport. After traveling all day long, I tried my hardest to keep my little eyes open. So I think I saw three fights live, uh, but I did see the important ones. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, look back at UFC Fight Night. Dos Anjos versus Felder. Big props to Paul Felder for not just taking this fight on super short notice, but uh, saying, hey, I'll take it at lightweight. I got five days. I can cut down. Let's make it official. I mean, it looked like he took a fight on five days notice. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. He lost all five rounds, but he didn't lose any of them. Who so is this handily. Judge Chris Long or whatever his name is that thought he won the fight? Like, why is this dude repping, judging fights? <laughs> Did you see Paul Felder's reaction when they were calling, uh, the referee was calling the, the uh, cards, and the first one went to Felder, and he gave a look, <laughs> a hard look over. Because like, he knew with his whole heart he didn't win a single round not one yo shout out to paul felder and shout out to that referee for giving a man some hope that's right he's like you still got it paul keep coming back co-main event uh hey we actually both picked that one right uh we both had this on just and uh co-main event we got this one right too kaylin williams super super first round knockout over abdul razak al hassan very and quick lightning kaylin's the type of guy that's gonna have uh you know big big hype 11 and 1 uh, behind him not only big hype but uh he, he's also got kind of like a two nickname thing going on so yeah. they call him chaos right like kaylin chaos williams or they actually just call him chaos williams yeah, that's what it reads chaos williams but he's got a whole other thing going on it's not just chaos it's uh chaos the uh the ox hunter the ox the ox hunter the ox fighter oh I have no clue, but as long as he keeps knocking people out like that, we'll call him whatever he wants. So I think he's going to be a victim of of his success, and I think that big knockout is going to get him a big name, mm. and then we'll see what he's got going. Well, I've got some questions for the Ox Fighter. Is all right, so it's chaos. The Ox Fighter Williams. So is this like the same is, as a bullfighter? Well, what I'm saying is he going out and personally fisticuffing with oxes, or does he have kind of like a backyard situation going on where you bring your ox and it sizes up against his best ox? Are, are the oxen for our non-native uh, speakers? That's plural form. Of I mean, ox. so you think it's like a little little animal on animal violence here? I need to know if it's animal on animal brutality or if Kalen's going out there fucking fist to cuff in uh, oxen. I mean, it was once well documented by several people that I once knocked a rhino out with one punch. <laughs> I mean, just came up on me, just a nice hard jumping left. Bang, when you say like well, a, you say well, well documented, well documented, well documented. It was the header on my Instagram for a long time, and it was on the internet. So you know how that works. So it's on the internet. It's definitely got to be true. Well, it gets some points for being on the internet. Uh, Ashley Yoder, man, the uh, spider monkey. She got it done against Miranda Granger. Uh, moving backwards on the card, our guy, Brendan Allen against Sean Strickland. Oh, that was a tough one to watch. I mean, yeah, 195 pound uh, catch, catch weight, weight here. Yeah, because uh, Allen originally scheduled to fight Ian Heinish at his regular, at their regular middleweight. Right. Uh, Heinish, you know, came down with the roan. I thought we were getting through this thing, you know? You, you think you're getting past it, and then all of a sudden, the inflation numbers rise. Boom. You know, like a fucking brick. <laughs> like a brick through your window you get hit and uh so that fight uh Heinish pushed back and brendan allen you know he's in shape and he's he he, he looked he looked in shape uh i mean 
he was just getting hit too much. That's bottom line. Like, and yeah. Kevin Strickland, how great did that stand-up uh, look? Sean Strickland. Yeah. How great did that stand-up look? I mean, he wasn't cocking back. He was just firing right from where his hands are, just touching him up. Bang, bang, yeah. bang. Just just punches, right? No, no kicks to be seen. Just straight and up old, just Brendan, straight up boxing. And Brendan is tough as nails, but uh, we don't need to see your chin on display like that. Like yep. he took, he took some shots and that's our guy. We love him. We hopefully he gets back on his feet, gets back on the, uh, back to his winning ways very shortly, but definitely he needs to take a step back in competition. Uh, Cause Mr. Strickland showed him that there's levels to this and he went on a tear. So I think that what's his first loss in the UFC, correct? Brendan Allen's first loss in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, not a bad guy to lose to. I mean, uh, Mr. Strickland is definitely, Definitely got to have to fight the number one and number two guy next. We talked about this a little bit before the fight. Yeah. That I, I was, hey, man, this is a tough fight for Brandon. And you're like, dude, you're going to come on the podcast and say you think he might lose. I'm, Man, I, I don't know if a lot of you guys remember who the hell Sean Strickland is, right? He was, uh, what, 20 and three back in 2018. 20 yeah. and three. He got in a motorcycle accident. And he's out for two years. Came back three weeks ago against uh, Jack Marshman and had a great fight. Yep. Um. Speaking about uh, and w- with this fight with Brendan Allen now, and we are saying with his stand-up, uh, effortless punches, effortless. right? Didn't look like he was putting much at all, but everyone that connected, you could hear it, pow, pow. And it, he's not swinging for the fences here, right? And They're he just had very a, precise, and he had easy a, punches. And he took some shots, too, because Brendan yep. definitely landed on him several times. He hurt him with that low calf kick. He just didn't have enough time to implement his strategy. And Brendan's strongest game, in my opinion, is his ground game. And it looked like Strickland was a little better there. Yeah, fun fight to watch, fun fight to listen to uh, yep. with those strikes coming in. And uh, kicking off that main card, Kay Hansen, Corey McKenna, two young, young ladies. Uh, I think they're both 21 years old. McKenna got the uh, decision win. Yeah, that fight was a little boring to me. I think I fell asleep in it. <laughs> you were just jet lagged. I was definitely jet lagged. Hey, man, uh, what do you say we get Nate shook on the line? Let's do it. Yeah, we'll talk about, uh, go ahead and recap that BKFC 14 card from Miami, uh, Florida from last Friday. And we'll see, you know, what these guys have uh, in store for the future. Let's do it. All right, Nick and I will be right back with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, Nate Shook. Jeffrey Hoffman and Nicholas Sherlock welcoming Nate Shook to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Nate, thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, thank you so much again for having me. Yeah, so one more time, we want to give a big shout out to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, to you and Katie, Mr. Feldman, everybody for having us out. Nick and I talked about it to start the show. It was a great time. Yeah, the event, uh, we couldn't have asked for anything more. The, The fights were amazing. The venue uh, was really intimate. It was a, a sold-out crowd for uh, you know, this event. Uh, the, the place was just great. It was all around a phenomenal time. Yeah, not just a sold-out crowd, but the uh, people in attendance as well. We had a lot of fighters there, uh, a lot of UFC guys, uh, Joel Romero. Uh, who else did we have there? Uh, Clay Frank Guida. Mir, Clay Guida. Uh, Paige Van Zant, uh, Chris Lytle. Chris, yeah, man, what a what a star started out there. Out there, yeah, an old Kendra Lust out there. On top of all that, we had some other sports uh, professional players as well. I won't uh, say their names. I'm not sure about their restrictions and whatnot, but yeah, like you said, the place was packed with uh, 
with athletes from the highest levels of their respective sports. Absolutely. So, I mean, let's get right into this. In the first fight, uh, we had uh, Kimon Evans versus Cedric Johnson. And this was not only the first fight of the evening, but this was Jeff and I's first fight for bare knuckle. And I can't tell you how excited we were to see this thing progress and in action. And it did not look disappoint us. Mr. Evans with the big first round KO. It looked like Cedric didn't even get a chance to get off the ground before he was getting knocked in his ass. Well, one thing about this fight is both these gentlemen uh, are over six feet tall. They came in at 175 pounds and they both had a reach of 80 inches or greater, wow. uh, which is a, a long wingspan for for a punching sport. And when uh, Cedric was warming up, people were kind of, or not warming up, sorry, the day before uh, weigh-ins, people kept looking at him because he was you know, getting into his rhythm and he does this like dance thing. Uh, and, and people were you know, really like, Wow, like this guy, he's he's different. Like his preparation is a little bit different. A pretty yeah. pretty yes. eccentric character. I love him to death. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he has a a good look to him, like a fighter look. Um, there's, I heard so many great things about this guy. Like, I heard he, he rode his bike one time, like over thirty miles to the gym just to train. So, we knew he was dedicated. He comes in phenomenal shape, and uh, I know his coach, and he spoke really highly of him, uh, Kimon Evans. Uh, again, comes from a phenomenal gym, fought bare knuckle before, had an impressive fight uh, in Daytona. His first time out dropped down 10 pounds. So we expected fireworks and we got it. Definitely got the fireworks uh, with the with the big knockout coming in the very first fight. And the next fight of the evening rolling light, right along was Mr. Alan Arzano taking on Fred Pierce. And we had another first round knockout. Uh, by Mr. Allen. Uh, how did you feel about that second fight going off? So this was a fight I was actually really excited about. Allen's never fought bare knuckle uh, before, and Fred is a, a staple in bare knuckle fighting. Uh, both gentlemen are around the 40-year-old uh, mark, but they're both in good shape, and I know both of them could, could throw a punch and, and take a punch. Uh, unfortunately, at some point, I, I didn't see exactly what happened, uh, Fred sustained an injury. Yeah, something with his knee, to, right? I think his knee yeah. popped out, and he went down, got up, tried to put some weight on it, went down again, and he tried to continue, but he just couldn't put any weight down on that leg, right? Yeah, from from what it appears, I don't have the confirmed uh, injury of what it actually was, but uh, again, I mean, you know, these athletes, you know, they they train hard. Who knows if they come in close to a hundred percent? They're cutting weight. Um, at the end of the day, sometimes things like this happen. Um, but I hope you know, he heals quickly. We look to have him back in the squared circle in 2021. And Alan, uh, he's excited. He wants to get back in there. So we're going to definitely have him back. Absolutely. And in the third fight of the night, we had Mr. Lorenzo Hunt taking on Davion Green. And this was a very interesting fight. We talked about it earlier. Lorenzo, yeah. uh, came back in this fight and actually ended up breaking Mr. Green's jaw. We saw him like he, like he spit the mouth guard out. The ref picked it up, gave it back to him. He put it back in. It fell out his mouth, picked it up a third time, gave it to him and it fell out his mouth again. Yeah, and the ref just had and to then over and called call it. it off. Yep. We were sitting in, in the sidelines going like, Hey, like what happened? What's going on? It wasn't until we got that text that said, Hey, 
he broke his jaw. And we're like, oh, wow. So for this one, uh, like we were mentioning previously, Lorenzo Hunt is you know, one of the more experienced fighters when it comes to bare knuckle fighting. He has a record with us of three and one. And honestly, he goes in there and every time he, you can tell he's improving. Like sometimes it's, you know, he's faster, he's moving better. I mean, watching from his first fight till now, you can see the leaps and bounds he's making. Oh, he he's, and he definitely like, looks the part too. He looks like, oh, yeah. like a killer. Oh, yeah. He's just he's in phenomenal shape. Yeah. yeah. I, from what I remember uh, hearing on an interview or a commercial or something, I think he's in the gym like four hours a day uh, with his gym. And who knows how many hours he's spending on top of that. So uh, the guy he fought, uh, Davian, he took the fight on less than 24 hours notice. Oh, wow. Drove down some something like six hours, six and a half hours. For this fight and uh stepped on in there and he, and he had backed down his first bare knuckle fight he was taking on a tough opponent and um it didn't go his way that time i don't think he has a broken jaw i did not see uh that in any of the medical reports so it might have just been a, a hard punch but right you know we get the reports um so i'll get with our medical guy and see but yeah, as of that night, it was not a broken jaw yeah. from what I was told anyway. Be nice to uh, later on when we get Lorenzo on the phone, we'll talk about that punch and see if he realized how hard it was or the damage it might had caused when he first threw it. Yeah, Lorenzo, you can't get much oh, more muscle on 205. Like he was, he, <laughs> he looked like an old school pride Vandalay Silva 205s. <laughs> yeah, we'll see him at 185. Like when we go to do the 185 pound tournament, he's definitely going to be a person that's going to be in it. Oh, awesome. wow. That's going to be impressive to see him get down to that weight. Awesome. I, I mean, because he didn't have an ounce of fat on him at 205. So to see him drop another 20 pounds, uh, that's going to be nice. And then in the fourth fight of the evening, we had Eddie Hoach versus Jeff Cheffins. And for the first time in my career, because in MMA, you really don't see this. Uh, it was an, it, it was simultaneous. If you watch the replay, he was getting knocked out at the same time his corner was throwing the towel. The towel was coming in, yeah. The towel was coming at the same time he 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 crushed him. And this was the fight that I was the most excited about on the card because there was a little back and forth at the weigh-in, a little jawing back and forth, which I love that uh, about fights when it adds a little adds a little flavor to it for me. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, shout out to Chiffins, man. Showed a lot of heart. Uh, he took a beating for uh, almost the entire thing, but showed a hell of a lot of heart came staying out, in there. Came out in the second round and just didn't have the magic that night. Mm. Yeah, Jeff's fought all over. He's fought for us before. He uh, filled in and fought Caleb Harris in, um, yeah, in Biloxi. Yeah, super tough, super tough. Um, sometimes, you know, fighters can just be too tough. And uh, like right. you said, he took a, a lot of punches. Eddie comes from Team Alpha Male out there in California, trains with uh, Uriah Faber. Phenomenal gym. Had a couple of years off from fighting. But when I spoke to his manager, he told me that if anyone is made for binnacle fighting, it's Eddie. So we brought and him cardio in. Cardio monster. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think he threw? 150, 200 punches? Oh, he didn't he stop throwing. throwing. Nonstop. He never stopped. At some point, I looked at Jeff and I goes, he's got to get tired, right? And he just kept on punching. It's like, yeah, oh, I mean, man. We're, uh, we're, it was a gamble because, like I said, he, he had a couple years off. Uh, I'd never seen him uh, in a boxing match. 
So, uh, you know, I saw some an MMA fight of his, you know, which is obviously is hard to gauge off that sometimes. But we took a risk, and it, it paid off that, you know, he has a lot of talent. And we knew Jeff was going to test him because Jeff does not go down easy. Um, and and Jeff has, a, you know, um, a win over Fred Pierce in another organization. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, Eddie came off with the, the victory, and again, we're going to be seeing him back in probably early 2021. Absolutely. I mean, I'm excited to see Eddie back again. I mean, whoever uh, chooses to fight Eddie, be warned, be warned. You're you're in for a rough night. Yeah, 155 too. I mean, that's a that's a deep weight class. Very oh, deep. We just had the the title fight. We'll end up talking about uh, 155. There are a lot of a lot of a lot of killers, tough fighters, and a ton of talent. Yeah, good way of saying it. And then in the fifth fight of the night, we had Jared Grant taking on Christopher Johnson. And as lightning strikes once, it strikes tight twice. And the third round, we had another towel mm. throw, which it's crazy to see it. But, I mean, at that point, Christopher Johnson was taking a beating. And his corner knows best, trying to protect their fighter a little bit and had to get him out of there because back to one of those things that uh, Nate just said, sometimes being too tough is a bad thing. And I think that's what was happening in that fight because he was taking a lot of damage. And especially with uh, the bare knuckle, right? That if you're getting there and you're taking some unnecessary damage, that damage might add up significantly more than if you've got, you know, the 16 or the 10 ounce gloves on. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, you feel every ounce of power. There is no protection. I mean, it's just the coming. Yeah, nothing between you and that and that force. Well, the one thing that uh, Dave Feldman always says about bare knuckle makes it different is uh, about the the brick example he uses. You, know, you can take a brick and, and hit somebody with it. It only takes one shot. But if you take a brick and wrap it in like a pillow, you sit there and you hit them you know, 50 times or 100 times. That's a lot of concussive you know, or potentially concussive blows. So bare knuckle is different because these guys aren't loading up and throwing 100%. Right every shot whereas like glove boxing they do i mean they, they throw hard most of the time yeah but in bare knuckle these guys are are picking their shots they're working the body um just as much i think it seems like anyway and when they see that opening you know they go for the knockout now there are exceptions to the rule i mean some of these guys just they don't have a 50 60 percent they have zero and 100 <laughs> joel moore like i don't see joel moore ever going in there and just throwing some light shots yeah right like he just tries to knock you out with every punch so but that fight uh you mentioned chris you know, he's fought for me before i knew it was exciting he doesn't say no uh he he accepts the fight like he, the last time he fought he fought a guy that was like six foot three um that's a that's a that's a huge man at that weight yeah class. yeah yeah 135 <laughs> jared grant and jared grant has just a ton of boxing experience in the amateurs he came on up. He made his his pro debut uh, with BKFC. He f- stops his opponent second or third round in his debut, and he wanted someone that was going to be um, in his face and fighting him. And that's exactly what he got. Like Jared wasn't looking for an easy fight. He wanted someone that was going to, you know, throw hands with him and and you know exchange. And he got it. He got dropped in I think in the first round, but you know just like a uh, the professional he is he got back up, he brushed it off, and he finished his opponent. Absolutely. And then in possibly the what I like to call the fight heard round the world, 
And the sixth fight of the night, we had Yuli Monster Diaz taking on Donnelly Benedito. What a fight. I've seen it on ESPN, MMAfighting.com. I've seen it everywhere. Nate, I know you have too, huh? Yeah. At the weigh-ins, I thought this was going to be a war. I even went and asked Katie, uh, Nate's wife, right after. I said, who is this guy, Yuli Diaz? He looks like he kills people in real life. Oh, it was a a war, all right. He looks the part. He talks the part. He has the personality to back it up. And as soon as this fight started, it was over. Three seconds, fastest knockout in combat sports history. And as soon as Yuli hit him, he knew it was over, turned around. He was over the ropes on the other side. <laughs> he wasn't even in the ring when the referee was calling it off. I was say, it was a war, but it was more like the French participation of World War II. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no. I, don't even, I don't even think uh, Mr. Doninelli knew he was in a fight. I mean, he might have thought it was still the weigh-ins after this was over. I mean, it was a shot. Nate, what, what kind of, uh, you know, uh, coverage did you guys, are y'all getting? What kind of... Because I I know that y'all are, are are blowing up from that fight, right? Nonstop. And here's the thing: Danelli is a tough fighter. Like this wasn't someone that just you know came on down here and just showed on up. Yeah, you know, he came in phenomenal shape. He has a lot of experience. He visually he looked significantly larger than Yuli. The one thing I noticed is when he got to the line and and watch it again. He gets up to toe the line. His feet are really close together, and he looks down. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm not sure what fighters do to prepare for a BKFC event in comparison to boxing and, and mixed martial arts, but I think this is an example. And you know, guys that fought uh, Reggie Barnett when Abby Velasquez fought Rick Caruso – it's different. You're not fighting from the corners. When the ref says knuckle up, you can get punched in the face in, in a second yeah. or quicker. It's, it's different. So I think I'm not saying his strategy wasn't good by any means, because I said, I don't know what he did to prepare, but I think fighters need to look at this as an example of when you tow that line, you have to be ready for an exchange yep. because that fighter is within striking distance. Exactly. And, and, bare, and bare knuckle already leaves almost zero room for error. So if you're yeah. taking a, if you're making a mistake out the gate, this is what happens, especially when you have a man as powerful as Yuli standing in front of you because it was the second punch that landed because he threw the lead hook that just kind of – it looked like that was just kind of like a pawing just to like look at me hook. And when he threw that overhand right, it crushed this man and it was over. And we were told that this was going to be the first test for Yuli. Yeah. Right. Was, that that yeah. Yuli had had some fights that, okay, well, this is the real one for yeah. him. And it was three seconds and it was over. So his first fight, he fought Brian Maxwell, who is a seasoned mixed martial artist. I believe he has professional boxing. I know he has professional kickboxing and, uh, came into uh to bare knuckle. I went I actually went to Virginia and um made the announcement that we we're gonna be signing him face to face after his fight, after a fight he had down there. Brian's a, a tough fighter. Brian is strong, more of a wrestler base, but he's explosive. Uh Dinelli is just was different because he was taller. He he appears to be broader in the shoulders. Um seems to be stronger 
So it was one of those things where how is Yuli going to deal with a guy who is physically bigger than him that if he landed a punch, how is Yuli going to be able to take it without a glove on? We don't know because it never got there. Yeah. He, uh, like he how, how many legs it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop, man? The one, world? The one, world. <laughs> one shot. That's what it took. Yeah. So, and uh, there was um, um, another organization that put a clock on it. And every time I stop it, it stops around 2.48 seconds. If that gets recorded by the Florida Athletic Commission at 2.48, it is the fastest knockout in combat sports history. There was a you, a well, you, Yuli's already arts. claiming that on a, on his on his Instagram. Yeah, well, just general research shows that there was a mixed martial arts knockout in five seconds, and there was a boxing knockout in four seconds. Hmm. So if it goes down at three seconds or two point four eight or whatever, less than four, it would theoretically be the fastest knockout in combat sports history, which. Well, extremely I mean, hard to top too. I think that record will stand for a long, long time. I, I don't see how you can top it unless someone tops it in, in BKFC. I mean, unless someone unless somebody off of our rule set. Yeah, unless somebody like Tan Lee, after he's done with one, comes over to bare knuckle and flies across. I mean, it's going to take somebody lightning quick. Yeah, I, I mean, you can only get so close to zero, right? You can <laughs> well, only get so yeah. close. And and it's going to take you know perfect ref position too mm, because yeah. we have phenomenal referees and. He was at a good distance, but he has to go over there and check on the fighter and make sure he's out. Like he can't just see him good unless it was obviously the Caleb Harris where he knocked the guy out and you know Bill Clancy's waving off as the guy's falling because he was stiff. But the ref has to go over there and make sure the guy's out. He doesn't want to you know wave it off too early. So you have to think in 2.48 seconds, Yuli landed two punches. Danelli fell. The referee got over there saw it and waved it off right that, that that's phenomenal work um by the referee and um just a, a great performance by yuli and then luckily he jumped over the ropes because i gave him a briefing yeah don't jump on the ropes like <laughs> everyone don't he, jump i, I must have said five times in the back <laughs> let everyone know so i think he knew because i think he went to step on the second rope I think you remembered and he jumped over. At least I want to think that. So at the end of the fight, the most interesting part of all this is Yuli makes a call out at the end of this fight where he respectfully asked for the 195 champion of Mr. Tiago Alves. Is there any word on if that's going to happen? Is that talks as, as Tiago responded at all? I have not heard a response back yet. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's not in communications, maybe, with uh, David Feldman. Right. But I haven't heard anything. Obviously, from a promotional standpoint, that would be an amazing fight because these are two Florida fighters that people love and others want to watch get punched. Um, and from a fan standpoint, that would be a phenomenal fight. So I'd be excited um, to put that fight together. But obviously, it has to come down, and you know we have to do contracts and talks and see when they're both ready, um, if it's a possibility. But who knows? You know, I'm sure Dave's already been thinking about it, and maybe he's made phone calls. I'm not sure. Let's uh, take a 10 east New Orleans. 
Ooh, my GPS starts going off in the middle of the podcast here. Uh, then moving right along to number seven, uh, we had Francisco Ritchie versus Noah Cutter. And we're familiar with Noah Cutter here because he's fought on the Gulf Coast so many times. And Francisco actually came back and won this fight. He was dropped twice in the first round, I believe, and then came back and won with a third round knockout. So he shows a lot of true grit right there. And it was a very impressive to see this man work. Yeah, Francisco is super popular down that way, has a huge fan base at 175 pounds. Again, I think he's like 6'3". He's a tall, long athlete that knows how to use his distance and hits pretty hard. Noah Cutter is a guy that his management reached out to me for toe the lion and asked me to put him on there. And his mixed martial arts record uh, wasn't that good. So we really didn't look at him for BKFC at first. So I put him on toe the line. I put him on against a very tough individual uh, in uh, Kane Tomlinson from Virginia. And Noah dropped him twice and finished him, I think, like 52 seconds. Wow, nice. And I knew, I was like, this guy's legit for bare knuckle. Like, And that's the thing. That's why tryouts are so important because that's another one where if we didn't have toe the line or we didn't have tryouts, would we ever got gotten to see Noah you know, inside the squared circle? And I don't, I don't really know. But nice. the fight made sense. Both guys were undefeated. Similar height, same weight class. Like you said, Noah came out there, dropped him twice. And uh, Francisco, you know, bit down on the, the mouthpiece, as they say. And I went back there and, and stopped him in what third, fourth round it was. Third round. Third round KO. Third round, so. And then moving on to the th- so the eighth fight of the evening was our only female fight on the card, uh, which was Britton Hart versus Randini Eckholm. And this fight was actually a really good fight, a really good, I'd say this was more kind of boxing, yes, because Britton Hart yeah. wasn't thrown with a lot of power, but she was landing every time she threw. Yeah, I mean, great accuracy. you could see uh, Randini's head growing uh, from the hematoma on her forehead and she ended up with a fourth and Britain, Britain Hart ended up with a fourth round knockout and then walked over, called out Paige Von Zahn. Paige Von Zahn gets in the cage. They have their, uh, their little back and forth, their little promo moment. And it looks like that's, what's going to be Paige's next fight. Uh, I personally think that that's going to be a big step up in competition for Britain Hart. I don't see her getting it done whatsoever. I think Paige Von Zant runs through this woman. And Nate, what do you think about that being Britain's come out moment, right? I know this is her third, that was her third fight with BKFC. Uh, she lost her first two, but she was facing the toughest girls that you guys have on the roster, not just in her division, right? First one against uh, Beck Rawlings, right? And then Christine Ferreira. Yeah, absolutely. So, so- two tough matchups for her that she lost but you know this was against a girl that was you know a, a fight that she could have won and she did everything that she needed to and looked amazing in that matchup absolutely so Britain, like you said fought first twice came up short both times the first time against beck she lost a split decision which a lot of people in the building were kind of surprised about uh, the second one, she got stopped by Christine, who you know was our champ at one point. So I mean, she's fought an undefeated, you know, champ, and then she fought Christine, another champ. So Bryn's never taken an easy fight. And I'm not saying Randine was an easy fight because she was another experienced striker, 
but it wasn't the same level of competition that uh, Britain saw before. And I think that might have helped her. Um, she went in there. She did what she does. She threw some punches. She used her boxing, covered up. But once she got in her rhythm, it seemed like she just slowly started taking over the fight. And then, like you said, she made the call out to Paige. And Paige hopped in the ring, and um, they exchanged some words. I don't know if that's going to be the fight that that happens for Paige's debut. There's still a... What would be the big another... thing that holds that up? Uh, because it's it looks like it'd be a nice matchup for Paige, easing her way into BKFC. What might be the, the big thing that holds that, keeps that from happening? So December 11th, we have another female fight on the card. Um, we're working on a second fight to have on the card. Well, after that fight, we'll sit down and we'll analyze the three winners and we'll see which one makes the most sense. Um, there's a lot of factors that play into it. You know, what do fans want to see? You know, maybe we have one of these other females come on out and steal the show. Um, timing, you know, do it, are there female fights? Do, a, do either one of the winners sustain an injury uh, or a cut? where they wouldn't be able to. Um, so we'll look at all of our options. We'll sit down as a team and uh, we'll make a decision. I wouldn't mind Britain fighting, fighting Paige, but I don't think it's going to be as easy of, of a fight as, as you think, because like I said, rewatch the fight with her and Beck and they were really uh, throwing some hands. I said, it was a split decision loss. It was pretty close. And Beck was you know undefeated when she, uh, left the bare knuckle fighting world. And, so. and we, we've talked about this on several occasions that uh, being that BKFC is so young and it's and uh, it's in its life at this point that the experience that you can get at people with just a, a little bit more experience are showing huge, huge advantages when they get in there. So by uh, Britain having those three fights already. Yeah. Like she's got a, a pretty serious edge over page. As, as far as the, the bare knuckle experience, absolutely. I mean, Britain's been hit now hundreds of times with a bare knuckle uh, in, in competition scenarios, whereas theoretically Paige hasn't. Um, but on the, the other side, I mean, Paige has fought you know at the pinnacle level for mixed martial arts, and Britain hasn't. So, I mean, Britain's fought, though, in some high-level boxing events. Um, we'll see. If that's a fight that comes to fruition... I think it'll be exciting. I think the fans will like it, including our views overseas. Britain's one of our most watched athletes. Um, she has millions upon uh, tens of millions of views. Yeah. Um, taking into consideration a small clip that got played in China. I mean, she, like I said, she's one of our most watched athletes. So nice. I think the fans worldwide would love to see a fight. But uh, after December 11th, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll know. And I'll be back on, I'm sure. And, we can talk about whoever we choose. Absolutely. So moving right along, the ninth fight of the night, the co-main event was Jake Bostwick versus Tyler Vogel. Great fight. And this uh, fight went all five rounds and then had the sudden victory going to the right. sixth round. Yeah, the sudden now, death. Uh, now this, extra rounds. Yeah. Now, this fight took a lot of heat online with people saying they thought Vogel won it. Uh, and as a judge myself... I had it scored as a draw going into the fifth round because I think what people aren't aren't accounting for is when you get dropped, it's no longer a 10-9 round. Now it's a 10-8 round. Yep. And if you get dropped twice in a round, that's a 10-7 round. So you might win all the other rounds, 
but you're still down on the card for two points. And to make up two points, you have to fight two perfect rounds. So I thought it was correct. I thought it went in, and I thought the sixth round could have went either way. I mean, it was a very close sixth round. Tyler Vogel definitely landed more punches, but I thought Jake landed the harder punches. So it would all depend on what that judge was looking at. All in all, great fight, and I had no problem with the decision at all. And then you saw Tyler post his pictures of his hands on his Instagram mm-hmm. the next day, and he looked like he just had uh, balloons on the end of his wrist. <laughs> Fantastic fight. Yeah, th- th- this fight was great. Uh, what people probably don't know is Tyler fought two weeks prior oh, wow. in a boxing match. Um, I believe in California it was. Jake Bostwick came up in weight uh, at least 10 pounds, maybe 20 pounds. I think ideally he's going to fight at 65. Um, he was looking at fighting at 75, 80. This fight was at 85. Tyler typically fights at the 85-ish range from what I understand. These two guys just went in there and, and put on performance. I would agree with you. Uh, next to the Yuli fight, this is the fight that most people talk to me about off this card only because uh, it went six rounds, which we've never had before. And there's so much... Um, that's what I'm looking for. People are on both sides. A lot of people think Bostic won. A lot of people think Vogel won. And they're messaging me to like vent their frustration or ask me how the decision came out this way or why we let it go to or why we opted for it to go to a sixth round. So all in all, I couldn't be more happy with the fight. Again, yeah. like outcomes are for the judges and the fighters. I'm happy both of these men put on a phenomenal performance. I'm excited about having them both back. To my, uh, under- to that- my understanding, the sixth round has always been in the rule set. It's just never been used. So we've we've talked the sudden death round um, because people don't want draws. That's why we're doing five rounds. Right. You know, gloved boxing does it on the even numbers. We're trying to get away from having draws because you know when when two fighters get in there you know one wants to be declared to war they both want to be declared a winner but you want to have a winner uh, i would think that we have to sit down and, and look at this you know to see how we're going to go in the future because championship fights do you really want them having a sixth round that's going to be a decision that you know david has to sit down and make a decision that he thinks is best for the company if championship fights will will have uh, a sudden death round or not, or if it's a draw, is that good enough for the champion to have defended his title? Right. I, and I, I so. agree. And it's a hard, and, and it goes back to the judging thing. It's hard when you have yeah. a guy that gets dropped two or three times in a round and there's no three knockdown rule in BKFC. There's not. Mm-hmm. So and if you get, if you, if you get knocked to, down three times, that's going to be a 10, seven, 10, six round. So it's it's a weird thing. I personally have no problem with the sixth round. And at the end of the day, it's really not the judge's fault that it goes to a sixth round. It's the fighters. Finish the fight. Yeah. Knock your opponent out like, like this is designed to do, and you won't have this problem. Then you don't have to worry about it at all. I know it's easier yeah, well, said than done, and it's easier to sit behind yeah. a microphone and say that. But at the end of the day, every MMA gym, I've fought in MMA. I've been to boxing matches. I've judged MMA. And we tell the fighters in the back and the rules meeting the same thing. Do not let this go to the judge's scorecard. This is your fight. You're in control. Finish the fight. Well, 
one of the great things, and there's a lot of great things about bare knuckle fighting, but one of them is the fact that we're seeing fights not go to the scorecards as much, I would think. Uh, like this event, for example, had nine finishes. One yep. went to Yeah, just only one went the to the judges' cards. scorecards, yeah. But historically, if you look over all of our data, we're having a lot less injuries than other sports. So just because the fights are getting finished um, doesn't translate to more injuries. Besides lacerations, we're typically equal to or less injuries in the other combat sports. So, I mean, I think the fighters are going out there and, and performing. I think for that fight in particular, you just have two experienced fighters that, you know, fought their asses off and knew how to take the punches and just had heart to make it through because this goes back to Tom Schof versus Joe Elmore fight. You know, some people said, well, even though Schof was dropped, you know, four or five times, whatever it was, you know, they were kind of like, you know, he landed. If you look at both fighters at the end of the fight, Joe took a lot of damage. It was just that he was so powerful when his punches landed, they were dropping Tom. Right. So can you say that Joe won because he dropped him more? Or can you argue that Tom won because he landed more and did more damage visually? Right. Yeah, it's, I'm glad I'm not a judge. You know? Yeah, being, <laughs> being a judge is a thankless job. <laughs> it, it, it is because I, you know, as a, a fan, let's say, I get to sit here and watch and just enjoy the entertainment that these fighters are putting on. Whereas a judge is sitting there and have to analyze and make not split second decisions, but the rounds are only two minutes. They're making decisions that are going to affect these fighters yeah. based on. Yeah, and at, the, at, the, so. at the end of two minutes, you got about thirty seconds to go. Oh, he won this yeah. round, and he won by the by, and he won that round by this much. And, you, and you're right; you were project, you were changing the outcome of someone's career and their projections. We talked about it a little earlier with the UFC card when they had that one judge that judged that for Paul Felder, and even Paul Felder looked at him like, "What the hell are you talking about? There's no way I won this fight." But judging is a thankless job, and it's a very, very hard job. But moving on to the main events of the evening for Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships 14, in my opinion, one of the most anticipated fights of the year for BKFC, and it did not disappoint when we had the champion, Louis the Baboon Palomino versus the Bare Knuckle Beast, Jim Ehlers. And these guys, there was bad blood in between it. They interviewed him several times throughout the night, putting it up on the screen. Jim Ehlers was still talking and I knew it was going to be different when Luis came on the screen and said, I have nothing left to say <laughs> and just walked off. Yeah. They had some bad blood brewing for a couple weeks leading up to that fight. huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, things got a little heated during the press conference when we were in Florida previously, but a lot of times the bad blood like that makes for a phenomenal fight. Neither one of these fighters takes a step backward Everyone that's seen Jim fight before knows he's probably the most explosive person off the line uh, in, in bare knuckle fighting. Baboon has so much power in both hands at 155 pounds. So there was only two ways this fight was going to go. It was, it was either going to be Jim, you know, having to go nonstop, put the pressure on and throw a lot of punches and, you know, work for a knockout or 
Babu landed one of those those hard shots. And uh, let's face it, at the end of the day, Baboon is a phenomenal fighter. That absolutely, I mean, that, those punches were right on point. Yeah, I mean, they were. He dropped Jim. <laughs> Jim got up, and then he quickly introduced him to the canvas <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah. Look, Louis got not only that strength, but he's got a ton of experience in combat sports. Right, he's been around nice. forever. He's fought the best of the best. He's got a win over Jorge Masvidal. Those two wars with Justin Gaethje. Oh yeah, he's 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 the real deal. And he proved once again that he is the real deal. So what do you think is on the horizon for the baboon, uh, Nate? Well, one fifty five is stacked with talent. Um, you know, even though our organization is just a little over two almost two and a half years old now, we have so much talent in all these weight classes. 155 pounds. You know, we just signed uh, Tyler Goodjohn from the UK, which as you know, I would I would say is the top fighter at 155 pounds in, in Europe. Well, he's for, got a fight coming up in two weeks, right? He does. He does. And we'll be making that fight announcement tomorrow, who his opponent is. And it's, it's a fight I'm really excited for. So is so it for, looking like if for, he gets it done uh, here coming up, I think it's going to be December 11th. Is that, uh, are we talking about the El Tornado, the guy who jumped El in Tor- at the end? Yeah. Yes. Oh, you eventually <laughs> follow his Instagram. I was like, I was like, dude, he's in there chirping at the champ and he hasn't even fought yet. This is awesome. So if he gets it done December 11th, are you thinking he gets the next shot at uh, Palomino? I will see how he looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to, so he has a lot of experience in a different style of what they call bare knuckle boxing. Right. Um, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I I don't think they have clinching in the bare knuckle form of fighting he was doing over in the UK. So again, that's a big difference, difference right difference. there. Yes, because so, not only do you have to box now, now you have to be strong enough to clinch and win in the clinch. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Or get out and, of it if you're in trouble. Yeah, and um, I believe he's already made a statement that he could fight at 145 or 155. So at 145, there'd be a ton of interesting matchups. But a lot of times when you have someone who can make a lighter weight, they're probably not as big as some of the people who can't make the lighter weight. Right. So it comes down to is is Baboon just going to be too big, too skilled, too strong at 155 pounds? He has three fights now in barnacle fighting with our rule set. He's the reigning and defending champion, and he's the king of the weight class. So it'll be hard for anybody to walk on into a new sport, take a fight, and then fight someone who's as dominant as Baboon and beat him. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done because Tyler is the top 155-pound bare-knuckle fighter, bare-knuckle boxer in Europe, in my opinion. So if anyone can do it, it would be him. But again, like I said, uh, right now we're seeing a fighter on a whole nother level in barnacle fighting in baboon. Absolutely. He looks so impressive. And then he even said it in the interview. He goes, the reason it looked this easy, because I am simply that much better than everybody else. And it's hard to argue with that explosive first round knockout. Was that inside the first minute in the first round? Yeah, I, I believe it was what twice and dropped him twice in the first minute. Yeah. I mean, so, it was, and then, uh, uh, 
And then also Frank Mir uh, said that he wants to make his bare knuckle debut. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see who, I mean, who at heavyweight would Frank Mir get in there and throw with? Nate, do you have any any news for us on that front? I know uh, Mir saying that he, he'd like to get on that show uh, Super Bowl weekend. Any idea who that opponent might be? No, and honestly, I don't even know if uh, the contract ink is dry. Like, I, obviously, with uh, the whole Frank Mir thing, uh, there was a lot of negotiations going on. But like when he was he was talking at the interview, maybe there's something I don't know. But um, I'm gonna have to check with David tomorrow. I've been out of the office for uh, for two days, but I'm gonna sit down with him tomorrow and see what the plans are. Um, but I mean, I, I do have, um, several people who's requested the fight and I know we have several gentlemen that are six foot six and taller, um, that have a lot of experience, um, either professional boxing, another mixed martial artist, um, who's fought most on a local scene and then a former world champ kickboxer who I think all would, would match up and, and make that an exciting fight. But again, Frank, you know, he reached the, the pinnacle of mixed martial arts, uh, even at a very young age, came back and did it again. And it, he'd be a huge addition and he'd be pretty exciting to watch in the squared circle. Well, Nate, you said tomorrow you guys are dropping some news about Tyler Goodjohn's uh, opponent. Is there anything yes. else that we can look forward to here in the uh, upcoming future? Yeah, um, we have. Uh, Dave's been in, in talks. Uh, with some, I'll say, networks, if you will. Um, so there's always uh, things out there brewing. Um, the app is doing phenomenal. Uh, like, it, it's just been amazing how many people have been going on and downloading the app and subscribing to the app and watching Barracle Fighting. We, we have over 100 million views right now on YouTube. It's people are watching stuff post-fight. And a lot of these fighters are just getting a, a plethora more exposure than they have with these other combat sports. So I think uh, here in the next week or two, um, we're going to be talking about our January and February dates. We'll be releasing the location. If Dave didn't already, I think he might have. But if not, we'll be re releasing the location of February 5th show. Have we released the location of the, of the December show yet? December's going to be Biloxi. December 11th, Biloxi, Mississippi. Yeah, moved from Kansas to Biloxi. Yeah. So more happening here on Which the Gulf Coast. I'm really excited because Jeff and I will definitely be there and get a chance to hang out with you guys again because it's only a 45-minute ride for us. Oh, it's phenomenal. Great. Yeah. Yeah, it's we were looking at December 4th in Wichita, but again, with COVID and everything, uh, it came out for that county where they restricted crowds, and we just couldn't make the event work. So I was supposed to have towed the line December 11th, uh, working with Empire. I called Christian up. Uh, we're going to move BKFC down to, to that event. We're going to make some changes on the fight card. Uh, we're going to expand the fight card, so we might have 12 or 13 fights right nice. now. Uh, so it's going to be a great card. Mark Godbeer versus Sam Shoemaker in the main event. Tyler Goodjohn in the co-main. We got Chris Sorrell versus Josh Burns, two huge explosive heavyweights. And I think you're looking for some local guys to throw in there as well, correct? We, we do. We have Quentin Henry, uh, Brad Kelly. Uh, we, just, we have some other phenomenal talent. Uh, Harris Stevenson. He's, um, so, yeah, I mean, we have 
uh, some local guys. We have some guys coming from overseas. We have some BKFC um, veterans that are going to come down to fight. It's going to be great. I'm super excited. And like I said, we pour into January, February 5th. We'll have the page fight. Uh, the end of February is going to be the next toe of the line. And then right into March with at least two shows a month starting in March. But if everything goes um, the way we're thinking, we might be pushing it to three shows a month in March, April, and then pick back up with our tryout. So there's a lot going on. People need to stay tuned. Uh, keep listening in to you guys and uh, keep following us on, on our social media. Awesome. Nate, thank you so much for your time this evening, man. We, we know that you're busy. Y'all have so much going on and uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate this and we look forward to having you back. Absolutely. Hey, did you guys get a tiger life while you were out there? Absolutely. We got one. some tiger life by a, you mean like a case? <laughs> I drink a gallon of tiger life. I've actually been passing out uh, his business card out here to a couple of local bars that I'm affiliated with trying to uh, get him some business down here in the old dirty South. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, tiger life. I just want to you know, always thank them. Uh, Frankie and the guys always, you know, great to deal with always at the event supporting us. Uh, Fusion CBD products. They have some amazing products. I actually picked up uh, two of them, and uh, you know I have some. I'm getting old, guys, so I have some aches and pains. And they have the CBD intensive relief um, relief rub, and I mean, it heals me right up. I feel like you know, I'm 25 again after using it. So well, you look like um, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm 40 now. I'm getting I think, old. I think that's what they told me. They was like, his name is Nate the Body Shook. That's that was his <laughs> name. That was the nickname that I was told. Yeah, the the hard hard to get out of bed. That's how it is. When you start <laughs> well, well, Nate, so. we're absolutely looking forward to seeing you soon, man. Uh, best wishes to, uh, to you and the wife. Uh, can't wait to see you guys in a couple weeks. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you guys again for everything. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. We'll be right back with BKFC's Lorenzo Hunt. Jeffrey Hoffman with Nicholas Sherlock welcoming Lorenzo Hunt to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Lorenzo, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. How are you guys doing today? Oh, absolutely excellent now that you're here, man. You were one of the guys I was most interested in talking to, like I was saying earlier. Uh, absolute animal at weigh-ins. Huge man. He fought. Uh, apparently, he just explained to us that his opponent couldn't make weight, so he fought up a little bit to a much bigger man, and went out there and put on a performance. And the first thing we want to talk to you about is the controversy of the stoppage of this fight. We've heard the opponent, your opponent, say that he broke his jaw. We've heard other people say uh, we haven't seen any X-rays to prove the jaw was broken. So you were there, you threw the punch, you felt the connection. Did you break his jaw? Um, it's impossible to say on a punch if the jaw was broken, but I will say I felt my hand go inside of his mouth. If it wasn't for his mouthpiece, I probably had knocked all his teeth out. That's, his mouth was open. So, so that's what I wanted to ask you on the punch that landed. Like, how did it feel? Did you, did you on that connection? Felt, did you know it, that it did something? Yeah, it felt wet. <laughs> he said it felt wet. <laughs> it 
It's so wet. Felt like he was licking my fist. It's so like I stuck my head inside his mouth. All right, so when he went down, did did you know that that was going to be the strike that ended it? He didn't go down. He actually survived it, which was surprising to me. Um, I always planned to throw another punch, so I was I had moved on from that strike, moved on to the next. I did feel the connection. I knew it was a nice, strong connection. But what he did do, the the punch broke him mentally because he thought it was broken. Even if it wasn't mm-hmm. broken, he, he thought it was. He'd say, oh, shit. My jaw is broken. So it, he thought it was broken. You could see it on his face. He instantly wanted to quit. I went after him a little while, and, you know, God had a protection spell over him because I just couldn't get to him. He was just running like crazy. And um, and uh, then uh, with the mouthpiece out, that, that gave him the opportunity to, um, when they tried to put it back, he couldn't bite down. So I don't know if you watched the fight, but when they stuck it back in his mouth, he, he, he dropped it. It, it, it ha- happened twice, right? It in his mouth again, <clears throat> and he just he was like, "Yeah, he was trying to tell his he's trying to tell his coach something's wrong, something's wrong." Yeah, my girl nobody, was sitting next to me, and I kept saying, "It's falling out his mouth." She's like, "No, he's refusing to put it back in his mouth." I was like, "No, it's yeah. he can't put it in his mouth." I think something's wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, it, it 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 was a it was a nasty punch, and we practiced that punch. We practiced that slip. I mean, it it usually goes under the right hand, um, which makes it a little easier to land. But he switched into southpaw, and he misused the jab. He dove after me like a like he was fencing, right. and uh and I just used it the same way I would after somebody threw a wild right hand. I just went under it and I smash. I just brought it up, up over the top, and he never saw it. Until it was in his mouth, it was done, and and he just looked. He made his face. It was like, what the hell? And he and he and he gave up. He just gave up after that. He, he didn't have me fighting him after that. Absolutely, man. I mean, uh, somebody putting their hand inside your mouth like a video game will do that to you. Yeah, it's like a yeah, fatality out yeah. there. Yeah, and um, and then uh, in the beginning of the second round, I mean, uh, when he, when he uh, when I went after him, now you know I'm a coach. I'm not really a killer. I can click it on when I need to, but I coach a lot of guys and I know what it looks like when they quit. I know what it looks like when they turn to the side. I know what it looks like when they just don't want to fight no more, when they can't breathe or when they just give up. So I don't usually hit my students when they turn to the side and give up. And so when I ran over there to smash them and he did that, he he showed me all the signs that he was done. I I would have liked. I mean, you know, in, in hindsight, it's like, man, he could have got knocked out of the night, or he could have knocked him out of the ring, or you would have made the news. But honestly, instinct kick-ins when 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 the person curves or he turns to the side or he gives up. You don't want to just. It's that know, old Happy Gilmore moment when he's telling him his bags are packed, Happy. Just send him to the airport. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, tap, yeah, tap, yeah, tap yeah, him yeah. in. Just tap it in. And my coach, my coach said, my dad, he said, I'm proud of you for, for having restraint, you know, because he saw it too. He saw I could have, you know, the the, the uh, referee didn't see that the guy had quit. So if I was a dirty fighter, I could have just knocked him out of the ring. I could have went on, gave him a whole Mortal Kombat uppercut. But I, but I didn't, I didn't finish him, and um, I'm proud of myself for uh, having that restraint. So Lorenzo, let me ask you: that was your fourth fight with BKFC, and we talked about this with Nate earlier. That because there's only been 14 events, 
that guys who have just that little bit of uh, experience edge, you know, they've got that that little edge in experience are doing significantly better uh, than people who who are just coming in. How would you say that you've grown uh, in those four fights with BKFC? Um, for me, I had a particular advantage anyway because of my rough childhood and upbringing. I was already kind of, you know, bare knuckle is just, it's just a fight. You know, they, they put gloves on me, but I would have done it without it the whole time. You know what I mean? They put gloves on me in the maid, put gloves in, on me in boxing. They, they, just, they just did it. I didn't ask for them. So then when the BK, PKFC took them off, it was kind of like, hey, you know, so... So with that being said, if you watch my debut fight, and I did fight for Dada too, I looked right at home. I looked right at home with, with no gloves on, with a karate background and shit like that. I looked right at home with no gloves on, right off the grip. So for those guys who are coming into the BHFC from other organizations, from MMA or boxing, and they've been brought up fighting like that, it's a disadvantage that they won't overcome easily. It's a disadvantage that they just won't over. I don't even know how to help them overcome that. Because I never had it. And what would you say about your growth from your debut to where you are now? I, I will say that I have been able to get more of the self-actualization of the training and not having to work two jobs and train. That's helped me grow. But the skills were always there. The the confidence and the the ability, the the technique, it was always there. I just didn't always have the time to train properly. And I didn't always have the people backing me and in order to give it my all and be in the best possible shape of my life. But now that I've that I'm in the gym and I work there, I make my money there and I go home and last meet, like I'm 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 really unstoppable because this is my life. Uh, when it comes to these other guys who are fighting, if this is not your life, you're in trouble. If you gotta get off, if you gotta go to Walmart and then get off work and go catch a couple hours in the gym and then get in the ring with somebody like me, you did. You should have kept delivering pieces. Yeah, big trouble. Yeah, and this is, this we see this all I do. Yeah, we see this all the time on the regional MMA scene, right? Is that you've got a lot of guys who are working full time and they're kind of training MMA part time and you, every now and then they go up against somebody that's training full time. Like this is their job. This yeah, is what they do. And they might be delivering a pizza or two in the evening just to make enough money to eat. But yeah, for training and, and when, when that matchup happens, you know right away. Right, you know right yeah, away. You know right away. You'll see the difference right away because um, after a while, when you're doing it, you know, four or six hours a day, it becomes so natural to you that it looks like magic to everybody else. Absolutely, and it's just the it, guy comes and he gets in the ring. The proof is in the pudding. The fight is not. Yeah, right. you can't. You can't. I mean, it's the same thing with anything. If you take a guy, if you're going to go spend a hundred hours a week fucking bowling, and I'm going to bowl two hours a week, you're going to get better than me. That's just how it works. Yeah. If you put more time into something, it, once you take the natural talent, then you take the determination and drive and match it with all this training unstoppable that's just how it works unstoppable the juggernaut and that's why i say like even with talent like you got some guys that are talented talent is just the match the fire starter yep you need fuel you need something to burn you need you need some, some dry twigs you need something to actually have a sustainable fire and it won't just be talent 
especially in smart. especially in this bare knuckle business where there is no room it's for error. Especially in None. bare knuckle. None. Especially in bare knuckle. And then, like I say, when I train every day, I have a chance to work over not just my physical, but my mental as well. And my whole ideology of fighting and the why, why I fight, the way I fight, and what, what each movement is for. It's very important to understand what you're doing, not just to be doing or just fighting. I'm not fighting. When I'm out there, I'm not fighting. I'm doing something else. He's fighting. I'm not fighting. I'm right. chilling. You got any call outs you want to throw out there? Who who would who would Lorenzo hunt like right? I don't like I don't like calling guys out because I never get what I want. I don't even care. I'm telling you, like they're they can throw anybody in there. So I'll say this. I'll call them all out. I'll call everybody out from 185 to 205 pounds. You are you in trouble. That's the danger zone. When are you ready I'm to go again? To hurt people. I'm ready to go now. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's why I love this dude, man. Yeah, you didn't get too banged up in that fight, huh? Nah, I'm ready to go now. You scratched me. You how are your how how your hands eyes. feel? Oh, my hands are always great. You dry, you, you got them all, you got them all dried yeah. off. I mean, you said you got a lot of saliva on that. Use that, yeah, use that disinfectant on them knuckles. You don't see that wooden, you don't see that wooden bag. I, I hang wooden bags that I punch. I hang, I punch oh, wow. uh, uh, trees, tree stumps. I hang them in my gym as punching bags, but it, they're actual tree stumps. And so when I do get in the ring to fight, my hands take no damage, none, because I trained for this. You know, I, I trained specifically for this. And so... It shows. Um, yeah, I don't... It shows. Um, definitely. I said it shows. It definitely shows. Yeah, those guys, like I said, from, from 185 all the way up to 205 and maybe beyond in the near future. You know what I mean? Because uh, even the heavyweight uh, class is suspect. Like, I don't really see nothing up there I'll have trouble with. So I'm trying to, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to lay as far as these belts is concerned and the titles and the title fights and this money. You know what I mean? Once I figure that out, then I'll stick around, you know, for a while at, at wherever is comfortable for me. But any of those guys that are, are, are near me and wait, and they're thinking they're going to be able to skirt around and skate around me, they're wrong. Anybody that toes the line with me, I'm going to hurt them. I'm not being a nice guy. I'm not nobody's friend. I'm not taking no more chances. I took that little stupid ass cut from um, Trujillo and the, the ref leaped in there and stopped my fight like it was the end of the fucking world when we sitting here watching guys with their face banged up and eyeballs falling out. I take a cut on the lip 40 seconds into the first round and you stop my fight. And now I got this, 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 this asterisk on my record. So anybody who get in there, I gotta hurt them. I gotta hurt them. I can't trust the judges. I can't trust the. I can't trust the referees. I, I gotta hurt them. I gotta hurt you. That's my job. Well, Lorenzo, this is your time, man. Do you have uh, anybody that you'd like to shout out? Your coaches, training partners, sponsors. Absolutely, I like to shout out to uh, to Smith Brothers, uh, Kevin Smith, and those guys. Been doing an awesome job. Uh, finding me, uh, finding me fights, working hard for me, finding me sponsors. I like to give a shout out to the boxing yard. You know, of course, my mother and father, my original trainer. You know, my dad is still sticking by my side. He always calls in the right plays. Uh, he sees it before it happens, and, and for sure, like a psychic thing. So, um, as long as I got my rock solid team, um, and and um, and my rock solid work ethic, 
we we are unstoppable. Um, we just just get out the way, Lorenzo. Just move out the way, Lorenzo. Thank you so much for being here, man. It was an absolute pleasure watching you perform last Friday night and speaking with you tonight, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys for having me, man. Thank you. Nick and I will be right back with our picks for UFC 255. Jeffrey Hoffman with Nicholas Sherlock. Welcome back to the Fight Sport Focus Podcast. Let's look ahead. UFC 255 this Saturday from the UFC Apex, man. And uh, kicking off that main card, Nick, we got a we have a legend, man. Mauricio Shogunhua taking on Paul the Bear Jew Craig. I don't know if it's kosher to still say that nickname, but uh, he chose it, so I'm going with it. Uh, so Hua man been around forever he's been in the ufc since 2007 and uh man when he entered the ufc he had more momentum behind him than almost anybody to join the promotion never really came to fruition once once he got there right he's like 11 9 and 1 total uh he, he it, did win the belt at one point he, he he won the belt and he lost it right to right to john jones still right? won it he did he did picture this though in in his entire ufc career what's at 21 fights now he only one three fight win streak and only one two fight win streak that's it all of his other wins have just been a, a, a win then followed by a loss or two a win but well, he by has fought the who's who of mma he hasn't had an easy run yeah and look and he he does have wins you're right over leota machida mark coleman chuck liddell forrest griffin yeah for sure he's fought a lot of tough men yeah and here's the thing too uh, as old you know nobody's going to deny that he's probably more towards the back end of his career but in his last seven he's five one one yeah, he's uh he's in the twilight, but he's definitely still looking there. I'm personally I'm going with the old Shogun. Yeah, for sure. He's coming in a uh, slight underdog, a plus one forty five. Craig's a minus one seventy five. I'm going with Hua as well. You and I think alike on this one. Next up, Caitlin Chukagian taking on Cynthia Calvillo. Chukagian's just two fights removed from that title against uh, Shevchenko, and but she's still coming in as the underdog here. She's a uh, plus two hundred five. And uh, Calvillo is the minus 265 favorite. Calvillo, she's riding a four-fight unbeaten streak, and she last lost to Carla Esparza back in 2017. I'm going with the favorite here. I think uh, Calvillo is going to get it done. I'm going to join you with the favorite. Third up, we got Platinum. Mike Perry taking on Tim Means. <laughs> we were talking about this. Hey, I heard recently Perry is not training at a gym right now all i'm saying is when we were in miami mike perry was also in miami hitting mitts on a dock was his he, girlfriend holding the mitts no it was some <laughs> dude i've never seen okay uh, whatever i go platinum mike perry that's who i got so i think the dude might have been uh, actually alex nicholson who's uh one of mike perry's like childhood friends it might be the old dude from the bar they might be friends now and that's <laughs> how there, man. It's too they're soon. not gonna have the lawsuit because he's gonna allow him to be in the corner i've heard this in some whispers <laughs> i'm sure old man from the bar would not be happy with this conversation i've he's, also he's heard still, it's the same old guy Steven. that was in the bar in ireland all he does is travel around to bars where ufc fighters are and try to pick fights <laughs> i've been looking at our 
demographic of our audience, man. And we're way down when it comes to people 55 and older. And it's probably because of all this geriatric abuse that you advocate for. It's not me. I'm not punching old dudes in bars. Like it is what it is. So, uh, look, man, Perry's still not at a gym. He's still not training. The guy that you saw, I think it was Alex Nicholson. Uh, he's a PFL fighter, one of Mike Perry's longtime friends. And in Perry's corner, he, he's already said it. The two people in Perry's corner is going to be his girlfriend and Alex. Look, that might have worked against Mickey guy. Gall. And, and that might have worked against Mickey Gall and that old guy. But I don't think it's going to work against somebody like Tim Means. He's got a ton of experience. 22 fights in the UFC. Means is the slight underdog he's if a plus tim, 120 if tim means comes in and looks down on mike perry mike perry has dynamite in his hands i'm just saying it's a fight anything can happen i'm gonna have my risky pick right here platinum mike perry you got platinum mike i'm going with tim means co-main event valentina shevchenko taking on jennifer maya i've never seen i've seen some pretty skewed odds before uh, Valentina is a minus fourteen hundred favorite. Nick, that means if you want to make a bill off of this fight, you have to give the casino fourteen hundred of your dollars to hold just for you to get a hundred hundred bucks back. If uh, Valentina, when Valentina wins, oh, most yeah. most probably, I've never seen a favorite this large in a title fight. And it's it's one of the things where I really like Jennifer Maya. I really like her, even back from her Invictus days. I mean, she was phenomenal. And she's the best female fighter to come out of shooter box, in my opinion. But I don't see her dethroning the queen. I think Valentina gets it done. So Valentina's got those three losses. First one was a doctor stoppage, which she avenged already. The next two were decisions to Amanda Nunes, one of which was a split, right? So if you've lost two, you almost never get the trilogy, right? Because you don't deserve it. Yeah. Could this be one of the only times that we've seen where you've lost two, but you but the trilogy has to happen? Well, I mean, it, it has to happen because nobody else wants to fight fucking Amanda Nunez. Yeah. And I don't so, even have to talk desire. It's nobody else can fight her. Yeah. I, no, I don't think anybody wants to fight her. I mean, I think people get to the top of the weight class and go, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Who else y'all got unranked? <laughs> yeah. Y'all got any new booties y'all can throw my way? <laughs> Again, I, I think almost always you would say no. But in this case, you have to say it's the only fight yeah, that, at mean, this point that makes sense. It's the only fight that makes sense. I think Jennifer, I think she's going to run through Jennifer. Main event, we've got Davison Figueredo taking on Alex Perez. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be Cody Garbrandt, right? Coming down to 125, getting his shot at the title. Uh, very disappointed that we don't get to see this um, because uh, Alex Perez, 24 and 5. He's a good fighter, but Figueredo is, is head and shoulders above everybody in that flyweight uh, I think division. So. I think Figueredo gets it done in explosive fashion. I think he gets it done knockout second round. Yeah, Figueredo, he's a minus 310 favorite. That's a hefty, hefty favorite. Perry is the plus 240 dog. Ain't no negative 1400, but it's a start. Yeah, I mean, that's still one that you usually don't touch. Uh, I think Figueredo is going to get this one done as well. Uh, Nick, we we missed an episode last week, and man, I I felt real shitty. You know, it it felt like I missed a a day at the gym. You know, you get that regret, and you just... And it, it, this is becoming our habit, man. This is becoming our thing. And uh, let's 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 keep it going. Let's uh, maybe uh, next week we'll try to get into make up for lost time. I'm down. I'm down. You're the one that's uh, out there coaching cross country kids to be the next Stephen Prefontaine. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I'll take that as a compliment. You're a horrible, horrible coach. That's your homework assignment. Go find out who Stephen Prefontaine is. Coach. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, though. And we've got we got some catch ups to do with some local events. Uh, Absolutely. Right. Uh, we've got this week uh, Gulf Coast MMA seven happening gonna, Saturday from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Our guy, the Don John Island, taking on uh, ex UFC bantamweight 
Brandon Davis. Yes, I'm definitely going to try to get out there this weekend. I don't know how my weekend's shaping up because it is in Hattiesburg, so it's about two and a half hours away. So I'm going to try my absolute best to get out. Yes, and next week uh, we'll try to get two episodes in to catch up with some of the local shows. Uh, Just give you guys your opportunity to get your stories out and uh, help you guys promote. 13th episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast in the books. We're not going back to that Baker's Dozen bullshit. Oh, no, we're done. We're done with that. <laughs> Plowing past the Baker's Dozen. Uh, don't forget, guys, uh, follow us on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Fight Sport Focus. Visit our website, fightsportfocus.com. New episodes every week. I promise you guys we're not missing another one, so subscribe to share this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hoffman, and this is Nicholas Sherlock. Thank you for listening.